This is the Cleveland Guardians Fancast with your host, Quincy Wheeler, a podcast about the Cleveland Guardians and their fans. Quincy and I'm here with Nick, known on Twitter as Oscar Gonzalez Enjoyer, currently <laughs> at least. And uh, hey, Nick, it's good to have you with me today. Thanks, thank you, Quincy. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, that's great. So you know, uh, before we begin the usual process here, uh, what was the thinking in choosing to become Oscar Gonzalez Enjoyer? Hmm? Um. So I I. For anyone that knows, my brother is Alex from 216 Baseball Podcast. And just having listened to him and talk about Oscar Gonzalez and how this team struggles with hitting, I really just like a guy that goes up there, doesn't care about walking, but just hits the ball. <laughs> just goes up there and out. I don't know. Can I curse on this thing? I can't remember if I can. Um, or not. I, I, I'll bleep you out. No, uh, I, I, I won't worry about that. But okay. a, a, an indiv- to put it, you know, censored version of how Alex puts it, an individual just hits, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, I, I, I uh, have no judgment of it because he is an incredibly enjoyable player to watch. And, and mm-hmm. you're right that it's nice. It's kind of refreshing to have a guy who's just like, I'm going to hit the ball. I don't care about walking, just hit the ball. (laughs) Especially with, like, I know I'm a stat nerd. I know a lot of us are stat nerds on Guardians Twitter and stuff. But uh, me personally, you know, it's all about the OBP, getting on base. You know, this guy can hit, you know, because we we dog on Ahmed for just hitting the ball. But (laughs) because he only hits singles and, you know, that's another thing. But, like, with Oscar Gonzalez, he's just smacking doubles constantly or, you know, eventually he's going to tap into that power and put it over the fence. But I just think I like his personality, too. I mean, he's a big boy. He's, like, 6'4". I remember taking a screenshot of him with, like, Miles and Stephen Kwan, and he's just so big next to him. (laughs) And, I mean, everyone knows about SpongeBob and, like, the SpongeBob thing. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't mean to bring up, like, my brother's podcast so much, but, like – No, that's fine. When Paul like talks about how like baseball is fun and it should be fun, I think that aspect is really I don't I feel like beautiful is a strong word for it, but just like it just embraces that fun part of baseball. So he just seems like a fun guy. And like his one thing where he threw the ball out of the park when there is still an out left. I just think something like that is kind of adorable for like a player. He's just a young it, guy. So it, it really was adorable when he did it. Uh, it his reaction to it was very funny. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, that's great. No, I, I really enjoy him too. I have questions about whether or not he is going to be a full-time major league player just because he doesn't walk. And I wonder about how pitchers are eventually going to pitch to him. But I'm rooting for him to make it, and I'm I'm excited about it because you can't go wrong with a lot of the great things that he does. So yeah, that's great. All right, well, tell me, how'd you become a Cleveland baseball fan? Um, so for me personally, it's like Alex and I have been raised just as baseball fans first and foremost, our whole lives of being Indians fans. Um, being taken, I remember being the taken to games when I was like five or six. You know, you always have the hats and the merchandise and 
you know, I'm sure everyone in Northeast Ohio has an experience of buying, I don't want to say like a cheap shirt from like, you know, the, from like a Marks or something like that, but you know, Mm -hmm. just a shirt to wear around. But Mm -hmm. um, baseball has definitely been ingrained in our family of, uh, I remember just staying up on summer nights, just sitting in the chair with my dad, just watching baseball, watching the Indians when they were mediocre, watching them when they came back um and just it's always been there in the background i used to think it was a little boring as a kid because you know you've got a short attention span right it's just always been in baseball culture has always been kind of ingrained in us so it's always been a constant because i i'm a big sports guy all around of like football basketball big soccer guy now okay the constant in the background has always been baseball for me as long as baseball's number one, you can like whatever else you like. And <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think it is kind of interesting to think about how, yeah, I think you probably do have to get most people through a period where you're like, man, this game is long, man, there's not a lot of action. And, you know, as your, as your brain develops and you start getting a little bit older, you start to appreciate some of the intricacies of it. I, w- I would yeah, I would say, and I'd say the same thing is true for soccer too. I don't know that I'm smart enough to really appreciate soccer as well, as well as I should, but I feel like while I love football and basketball, I feel like they're more easily accessible than baseball mm-hmm. and soccer to really kind of dive into the intricacies of it. So you got to stick with it. Right. And that's yeah. like the analytical side of me. And that's where both me and my brother are similar. If we both love numbers and baseball, is, I think, cause I like to think I have a general knowledge of like every sport that's kind of out there, at least the big ones. And I feel like baseball is like the one sport where you can almost measure about 80, 90% of the game in just numbers because Mm -hmm. it's just walk up there, hit ball, pitch ball, and you kind of get everything you need to know out of it and stuff. Obviously you still need that eye test with any sport, but I think I really love that about the game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a cool um, dynamic to have because you love and appreciate and enjoy Oscar Gonzalez who defies the numbers, but you also yeah. love and appreciate the numbers. So that, I think if you can do both those things, you really enjoy baseball. Cause that's, that's what I like to do too. You know, mm-hmm. even this past, like this past week, looking at draft stuff, looking at some of those scouting reports on Jose Ramirez and famously from Fangraph saying he's never going to hit for power. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, well, if you look at him, He's five eight, probably more like five seven. He probably he probably shouldn't be able to hit for power, yet he does. And you just can't account for the fact necessarily of him having like the quickest wrists that have ever existed in baseball, mm-hmm. and he can just turn around on stuff like that. Yeah, and, I uh, forget who was. Someone made a good point about having short arms is actually more of a benefit for power mm-hmm. because I imagine just physiologically, like your arms, the less they're like longer, it compacts kind of like that power strength. So mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like you kind of want a little chubby bunny like Jose, you know, to go up there <laughs> and hit the ball. It takes a it takes a special kind of chubby bunny, but he definitely shows you him and him and some other guys. Uh, Alejandro Kirk is another guy lately who's been doing the same kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Well, tell me, uh, if, does anything stand out to you as your favorite Cleveland baseball memory? Uh, there's definitely two that come to mind. So mm-hmm. um, me and my brother and my dad went to the 2013 wildcard game. And that is one of the craziest experiences of like my life of just so loud. It's packed to the brim with people, the atmosphere. 
there's one thing that I can plug about baseball. I think it's second to none as far as atmosphere goes in the playoffs. I just think mm-hmm. it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Even though we lost four to zero, it was just an incredible experience to be part of that and to witness kind of history in that sense and to be in such and just an intense kind of euphoric moment. Mm-hmm. I would say that's number two, but I think my number one was the Rajay Davis games, uh, game seven home run. My dad's mm-hmm. a very laid back individual, not very expressive, you know, but he can be sometimes, but like just generally he's go with the flow, especially about sports and stuff. But that was the first time where it's like we had woke Alex up because he had fallen asleep because everyone thought we were losing that game. <laughs> and uh, we're like, Alex, something's going on right now. And it was like six to four. And then we're watching this at bat, you know, everyone's, you know, you're curling your toes, your mm-hmm. hands, you know, everything. And when that happened, I have never seen any of us be so animated before we jumped up. <laughs> I, my dad, especially we're all in a circle, just jumping, throwing our hands in the air, just absolutely losing our minds, screaming our brains out, just talking so much trash and just like, is just like a beautiful, beautiful moment for baseball to just bring like, you know, a father and his sons together like that in just such just a crazy moment all together. I don't think anyone that watched it live will ever forget. Mm. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. I, I'm sure a lot of people have had, had a very similar experience in that moment, wherever they were. And uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I, I, even though they lost that game, I'll never think of that moment and not smile about what happened. And again, one of those things that kind of defies the numbers. Raji Davis probably shouldn't hit a home run off or old Chapman, but mm-hmm. He did. he did is is like finding lightning in a bottle in that moment of just putting the bat in the right spot at mm-hmm. the right time it's like a one in a million in my eyes well and he chapman out of all the places to pitch rajay davis that was not the spot to throw a pitch to rajay davis and and admittedly he had to do what he did with it and it was incredible all credit to him but again you know, like you have to have that pitcher also make the mistake of throwing it in that spot that he really shouldn't have thrown it it's yeah. just a beautiful moment yeah, and I'm sure, you know, I remember what I remember is in the uh, in the ninth when Kipnis hit that long fly ball, which oh my don't even remind <laughs> I know, but lo- but looking back on it, it's kind of like, oh man, it wasn't really that close to a home run where it landed. But off the bat, I remember just jumping, I remember leaping off the couch. I was in I was in the, the uh, living room with my future in-laws. Chelsea and I weren't engaged yet, but we were dating, we were watching the game. We were shortly going to be engaged. So it was, you know, we were pretty committed at that point. But I remember that I didn't care what anybody thought about me. When he hit that ball, I jumped off the couch and ran across the room to the TV. And then, you know, it wasn't and out. But I think something that people overlook with that moment, too, and why, like, it was more exciting, too, was, like, Kipnis at that time, that point in time, pretty much represented Cleveland in a sense. Right. It was one of the good things that we had and I felt was, like, the heart of the team so to have that guy make the game-winning play would have been absolutely nuts i remember after uh i think it was i don't remember was it the boston series or the toronto series it was after toronto they interviewed kipnis after the game and he's like we know that we're dog crap we know that we know that we're dog crap but hey this dog crap keeps winning you know it was just like it (laughs) embracing the thought that the media is like how are they doing this they're not that good and he's like that's well that's right but guess what we're gonna beat you still so Mm -hmm. yeah he was he was definitely the heart and soul i agree all right well what do you think about the current team besides oscar gonzalez what do you think about the current team 
Uh, definitely exciting. Uh, definitely would not have ex- expected our pitching to be sort of a weak point this year. Um, I was just talking about this, I think, with my friend the other day of, um, you know, we're known, we're a pitching factory. All we do is produce pitching, but we have solid starting pitching, but it's not exactly how we expected it to pan out. Um, and then our bullpen, we've, re- I get so frustrated thinking about the little money we could have spent to have quality bullpen arms, but <laughs> uh, I'm glad we're going all in with the chips on a young team. I mean, it's exciting, and I think it makes losing much more comfortable, if that makes sense, of mm-hmm. a young team. It's much more understandable. They're going to make mistakes. Well, if you're watching a team full of veterans or guys you expect more out of, it's very frustrating. So mm-hmm. I feel like this should have been what we did last year. I don't know if that's a hot take, but I feel like last year when we had a bunch of injuries and stuff, we should have put the chips in and tried to figure out more stuff. But then again, who's to say we really had guys ready for that moment as opposed to this year, you know? Yeah, I, I do think, you know, and I've heard Mizell and Mizell um, and uh, Zupi say the same thing about last year, but I, I do kind of think that some of our guys weren't ready for it, who are ready for it this year. And I think I do think Nolan Jones probably would have got a shot last year if he hadn't gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the thing. Some of the guys, you know, Tyler Freeman as well might have got a shot, but he got hurt. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I'm with you on all that. I you know, I was thinking about the bullpen today too, and that I wonder how much, and not saying it's necessarily what they should have done, but I wonder how much the team was really counting on Nick Sandlin to be mm-hmm. kind of a reliable option. It, it looks like he's kind of turned things around. But between his injury and then looking like maybe he's changed his arm slot a little bit, he just hasn't been able to find the control. But I think they kind of thought, oh, that's our, you know, seventh or eighth inning guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so they've been kind of trying to figure it out outside of that. Um, right. And it's not like we've really not like because we've got a ton of like starting quality like pitchers, but we don't. I don't really know much about if we have like relievers in the minors or anything like that. So it's like that's where you got to spend. Um, I, I try not, I don't want to be like an echo chamber on here. Cause I feel like that's what guardians Twitter is a lot of everyone kind of <laughs> shares the same sentiments and then, you know, but I, I, I've been sitting on it. So Alex, if you hear this, this is going to be a little bit of a hot take, but well, I'm sure really he will liked, hear it. I've really liked, I think I actually have kind of liked Ahmed this year and I would like to keep him under circumstances that we could just swap him and Andres as far as positioning goes. Cause I think. I know he just hits singles, but he hits, you know, and we struggle with that. So until say like in Gabriel Arias or Tyler Freeman or Brian Rocchio or something like that is ready. um, I mean, it's worth holding on to, but Hey, if we can trade them, get a nice, you know, power bat, you know, I'm not going to stop. I, I, I do think they'll probably trade him if there's, if there's an opportunity, if there's a value they like, I think they'll do it after the season. I don't think he's going anywhere this year. But uh, what I've what I've come to the point of recently is saying, if there's any way that you could get Ahmed to play second and third, because um, I think his arm's good enough for third, and you don't usually need quite as much range as you need at short, so it seems like he could possibly theoretically do it. And nobody understands why he hasn't played second. It just seems to make sense for him to play second. So if you could get him to play second and third, and obviously you can handle it at short. And then maybe even first, because like it says, and like uh, Billy Bean in the movie Moneyball says, anybody can play first. It's easy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not really. But uh, if he can play first, 
uh, and he could do all those positions. He is an insanely good utility player. Like he is a guy that you could, you could get like four starts a week, giving guys a break at different places, be an incredible right-handed bench back because he crushes left-handed pitching. He struggles with right-handed pitching, but he crushes left-handed pitching. And he is an incredible runner. He run, he is, has elite sprint, sprint speed and he never takes a playoff. Right. So I, I think it just move him into that role. I'd be like, extend him, keep him here for the next right. like five or six years, because that's the kind of player you need in that role. The problem is with him playing every day may not be ideal. Yeah, it's how he's used. Cause I wanted to chime in and say, I think he would get a lot less hate if he was used properly. If you yeah. put him in like the fifth or sixth hole and he right. plays second base, I don't think he gets nearly as much. I don't want to say hate because I don't think anyone hates him. It's mm-hmm. just that I think people just get too um, – even I can get a little too upset about him at shortstop or something like that. But I think if you put him at the five or the six hole where he's just meant to swing at everything, it's not really about patient at-bats and getting on base. I think he works just fine, or at least he's serviceable for what we need right now. Yeah, I definitely – I'm a firm believer that, uh, that Ahmed is a sixth hole hitter. <laughs> That is the absolute spot for him. But I also, I also have been clear, you know, I've kind of realized this, that I, I'm okay with him hitting in the second hole because I do think that Tito is like all these young hitters. Do I really want to put them in front of Jose Ramirez? Cause mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure batting in front of Jose Ramirez. And the one thing you know about Ahmed Rosario is that he doesn't change his approach. It can be very, it can be difficult sometimes mm-hmm. when he swings at everything and you're like, why the heck are you swinging everything? But he doesn't change his approach. He's not going to be intimidated by Jose Ramirez bang behind him. And I think that's why he hits second. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that eventually that that would change. And, you know, profile-wise, he'd be better in the sixth hole. That's that's a good unexpected Ahmed discussion. So, yeah. anyway, Nick, yes, you are a brother to Alex uh, from 216 Baseball. A very uh, fond, I believe they've called uh, me this the sister pod, or maybe I don't the know if you say the, the brother pod. Well, might be yeah, there's the Quincy, there's my Quincy <laughs> counter that I keep for every time I listen. Of well, Quincy was saying, you know, I'm like, yes, well, I, I, I really, I really appreciate it. They're, they're great, they both are, uh, they are great knowers of ball, they're so mm-hmm. much fun to listen to, and when we try to promote them too on here. And uh, the, uh, you know, I'm the G rated version. They're the PG 13 rated version of, of Guardians podcast. I would say um, rated R. Sometimes it gets a little raunchy. Yeah. yeah uh, Paul, but I love episode, it that way. Paul, last episode just went off on a uh, Siri yeah. for a little bit and, yeah. and it worked blue on Siri. I was like, all right, Paul, tell us what you're really thinking about, sir. Anyway, so. Uh, what kind of tea can you spill about Alex here? You know, what, uh, what embarrassing childhood memories do you have to share? So. Embarrassing childhood memories. Oh, man. I don't know. Alex wasn't really an embarrassing kid. He's just always been very stubborn. And what Alex wants to do is what Alex wants to do. So whatever trouble brings that <laughs> along the way sometimes. That's where being, you know, the youngest sibling, you probably can't relate because I think you said right. you're the oldest I'm, of I'm your the family. Oldest, oldest As the youngest seven, sibling, so. you know, right now you guys can't see, but you know, you sit back in your chair and you watch and you observe and you say, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and that's why you get right. away with more as you grow up. <laughs> Alex was a good kid, though, so don't take it like he's some, you know, oh no, a I, rascal. I, but uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure that he was a good kid and he obviously is a, a responsible and good adult. Actually, no, I think my brother bit someone when he was a kid. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't know if we'll get mad about me disclosing hey, who cares but as a kid I think he 
I don't know. I had bit someone because they didn't give me grapes. That was me. But I think Alex locked. No, Alex locked someone in a closet as a kid. I think oh, was something okay. like that when he was in like preschool or something like that. Okay. Oh, I don't well. bite people anymore, guys. Don't worry. This, but. this is the beginning of an investigative podcast series. I will start where I'll it's figure the, out the true crime pod. Yeah. Now. <laughs> Who did Alex lock in the closet and why? All right. This is good. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, having toddlers, I'm working on the whole concept of we don't bite people. Biting people can cause serious harm, you know, <laughs> and serious bodily harm. But I think I think we can all understand it as, as kids. You know, you just kind of they all they experience everything with their mouths. And so at mm-hmm. some point they're like, well, what would a person take taste like? Yeah. No, 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 stop that. That's the road of cannibalism. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I, I don't know. I Alex and I, it's we're six years apart for context. So okay. mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like both of us have kind of grown up as pseudo only childs is how i'd like to describe it of oh, yeah. he's in this spot in his life and i'm in this spot in my life as we've gotten older we've gotten a lot closer but throughout childhood and stuff you know say i'm in like kindergarten alex is all the way in like sixth grade or so so it's like i start middle school he's almost graduated or finished with high school you know so it's like always that we're in two different spots so yeah. He's now he's grown he's married he's moved out you know he's got a baby and then you know i'm just getting my start with my big boy job and you know uh, <laughs> looking to move out now so yeah yeah well it's great that you guys are close and connected that way that's awesome yeah whether and, it's uh, talking about baseball and you know whatever else you know we always pick on each other yeah yeah that's great i mean that's what being a brother is all about and uh, having having any guy friend is about finding those spots to pick on each other and those things you can talk about sports is always great my brother is seven years apart from me and mm-hmm. the unfortunate thing fortunate I, I shouldn't say it that way we we love our sisters but having two sisters in between them i feel mm-hmm. like that messed up our uh possibility of me getting into sports he didn't become like into sports till he was an adult i'm like where was that when you were little i wanted you to be into sports but you were playing tea party with <laughs> Right. I would definitely say because Alex and I used to go to games and stuff together, like on like my birthday or something, he would take me to like a, an Indians game or something like that. And um, but in recent years with him starting the pod and stuff, it's really kind of like reawoken my love for like baseball and really mm-hmm. learning the sport under mm-hmm. the surface because I love learning and I love like knowing every little bit and um, also listening to the pod. It's like another way of staying in touch because Alex and I. Yeah. Like, states mm-hmm. so um that's great that's great it's really nice and i keep them humble behind the scenes so anyone that may get irritated i i pull them aside and i'm go alex don't do that <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad take alex yeah <laughs> yeah no he's he's great he's great it's been great to become friends with them and it's great to be able to talk to you make sure Absolutely. that you check out make sure you check out 216 baseball pod if you guys haven't i can't imagine that too many people listen to me haven't checked it out but uh, that's it's a great great pod i love the dynamic that alex and paul have great to be able to talk to you nick anything else you want to promote um nothing really i guess my twitter if i can get a spare follower mm-hmm. or two mm-hmm. but um besides that i'm just proud to be here <laughs> I will, I will uh, put up a, a link to your Twitter too, in case people haven't found you out there so that you can get other good Oscar Gonzalez content, as well as insights on past crimes from Alex. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you, Nick. Really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you, Quincy. 
Don't forget to check out SheetsGiggles.com for some great bedding, uh, great gifts to give for your partner if you're thinking of something special to kind of make their life a little more luxurious. Some sustainably made sheets infused with eucalyptus to help you sleep and help save the environment. Check out SheetsGiggles.com and when you check out your items, make sure to use the promo code GUARDIANS to save 15%. This has been the Cleveland Guardians FanCast. You can find us Monday through Friday on any podcast service that you prefer. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, and download so that we can continue to produce these podcasts for your enjoyment.